Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the jobs data and how the latest report is going to affect mortgage rates. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how are trigger leads impacting borrowers? So trigger leads have become a very big issue throughout many industries, not just mortgages, but specifically to mortgages, what we've seen happen is a loan officer or a broker will pull credit and sometime within minutes, but uh, definitely within the hour, uh, we've had consumers receive upwards of 40 calls. You know, within a day or two, they may receive hundreds of calls. So that's the reason that UWM created SafeCheck to protect borrowers. Thanks, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more about SafeCheck at uwm.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah, what were you trying to boss me around earlier? (laughs) I was simply saying, please don't go in and out with the microphone. That's all I was saying. Just a little bit. Sarah, you want to take my charts away. (laughs) You're now telling me to stand still. You know, you're, again, the best version of Logan is unleashed Logan. It's not standing still, take my charts away. How is this possible? How, out of all the people... In, on planet Earth, you want to take the two things away from me. So so this is this is not a good trend. No, no. I'm just in service of our listeners. That's all I'm doing. Okay, let's yes, get to and this, it. And the, all right. <laughs> yes, in service of our listeners, I know. You unleashed is good. If I could if I could mic you and have you walking around pacing, I would do it. This is why the live events are really fun. It's true. And we are going to have a live podcast. We're going to do it live in front of an audience and then invite the audience onto the stage at Housing Wire Annual. Yes. And I get to finally destroy the mortgage rate lockdown on record. Okay. So all you all you listeners come to Housing Wire Annual, come to that thing. You get to be part of that discussion and see me take on Logan Motoshami about the mortgage rate lockdown. So we will settle that once and for all. Brave so, soul. Big day today. We are recording this on Friday. What are the numbers? Okay. Really big week. And, you know, we talked about this last Friday. So we're, we're, it's a little bit about after seven o'clock here, uh, West Coast time. So we just got the jobs report. Um, And one of the things we talked about last week was that if there was ever going to be a week where the bond market could go crazy, it's right about here. Right, we have four labor datas, and we're we're kind of at that top end range of the ten year yield. So, go back. There's two key levels this year: the three point three seven on the bottom end, kind of the four and four four point zero five percent on the top end. And to break through the channels, these things have to break above or below. So, the ten year yield as of this morning got as high as four point two zero percent. Now it's fallen. 10 basis points from that level as we talk about. So I don't know when it, where it's going to close at the end of the day, but as we are talking about, the channel so far has held again, right? And that's, that's to me, that's, that's important short-term. Um, going to get some relief with mortgage rates today. But what, one of the things key with the labor report today 
is that you know, even though I, you know, I joke with you, Sarah, that I, I think of Tom Petty, I won't block down the gates of hell. Yes, the labor market is still holding up, but it's slowing right on schedule. And I think to to explain this, what might might people will understand why I was really bullish on labor is still going to keep on trucking because if you take away the COVID nineteen uh, uh, event. Today, we should be between 157 to 159 million jobs, taking the February 2020 trend with population growth and everything in that, in that manner. We're getting into that level soon. So that means we should be starting to seeing the slowing of jobs without making too much uh, out of that because the job growth numbers were crazy last year. We don't, we don't create that many jobs. It's makeup demand, right? Um, so the job growth coming down is, is good. The wage growth data is 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 for for people. Uh, their wage growth is very steady on a year over year basis. The Fed probably doesn't like to see that. Uh, we'll probably get some relief next next month on some technical issues on wage growth. But the labor market is slowing, not breaking yet. So there's there's a big difference. The ten year yield mortgage rates are getting to that upper end channel because the labor data has still been solid this this year. So let's go over the weeks. Job openings uh, still over nine million. Jobless claims still under uh, three hundred thousand. The ADP report. Let's just throw that in the trash because there's a big divergence between that and, and the BLS number. But the jobs number today, the internals are very interesting. Sarah, tell me about the internals. So number one, five of the sectors were negative. Um, you know, manufacturing, transportation. Uh, uh, information. We had one really big leisure uh, sector. That's most of the jobs gained. Revisions were negative. Hours worked was less. That means people are holding on to workers by cutting some of them. These are, you know, things that you don't usually see in a booming portion of the labor market. So the labor market is slowing on the internals. If you wanted to understand why the 10-year yield might have fallen, we we're testing a very key level, so oversold bond market condition. If you look at the internals, you know, you know, if you're a bond trader, you might want to go on the other side. But again, it's Friday early morning. Um, we don't know how this is going to close, but <clears throat> labor's slowing down, right? It's not it's not as tight as it used to be, but it's not breaking. Breaking is different. Breaking means jobless claims are over 323,000 and we're losing jobs every single month. So there's a key difference between slowing down and people think slowing down means that a recession is is right around the corner. That's not true. We saw that a lot of times in the previous expansion where job growth is slowing down and people just went straight for the big recession. No. Uh, So I think there's there's a key difference that we're slowing down right when we should be and we need to be a little bit more mindful of some of the sectors that are that are uh, holding back hours rather than uh, uh, cutting their labor. So when you talk about channels, you at the beginning of the year set out a range, or maybe it was even before the year, but in your 2023 forecast, you're like, here's what I see for bond yields, ten, the 10-year yield, and here's what that means for mortgage rates. And that's what you're talking about when you're saying we're hitting, you know, we're testing key levels. Can you can you run us through that real quick, what you were talking about? So- so this actually goes back to October 27th of last year. The 10-year yield had shot up to about four and a quarter. I think intraday it was about 4.34%. Because the dollar was getting super strong and there was market stress, 
you can get times in the market where the bond yields sell off aggressively, a little bit disorderly. When that usually happens short term, that usually means that's the top, just on a short term basis. So then the case was, well, the case for lower mortgage rates, lower bond yields, made that case October 27th. So what happened after that? The 10-year yield never, it tried to cross over four and a quarter. It didn't right after that article. And then we saw the down downdraft in, in, in bond yields. But for the 2023 forecast, right? And this is this has always been really critical to my work uh, after 2015. I do bond market channels based on economic cycles. I'm an economic cycle person first, housing second. Okay, so that's that's how I, I move my work. So looking at the 2023 forecast, I said, okay, we were at 3.70% at the start of the year. I said four and a quarter on the top, 3.21 on the bottom. All right. Uh, but the the 10-year yield won't break underneath that level until labor breaks. Now, now everyone kind of said, okay, we're going into a recession. We're going into recession. Even with me, with my six recession red flags up, I said two things that could help the US economy. The growth rate of inflation falling, A, that's happened. 10-year yield, mortgage rates stopped going up, A, that happened. Housing is stabilized. But the labor market isn't going to break. So I, I understand everybody went f- inflation first. And, you know, we're going to have lower mortgage rates for that. That's why the Gandalf line was created. So for people who don't know, the Gandalf line was Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, you shall not pass. That 3.37 level is really critical. So every single time we got there, I had to bring Gandalf off, you shall not pass, you shall. The one time we broke underneath there was the height of the banking crisis, right? Because people go banking crisis, recession, we were there for one day. And bond yields have been going up after that, right? We've been just going back and forth. Here, we're on the upper end, right? Four and a quarter, right? Today's top was 4.20%. There's no Gandalf line here. I'm not bringing Gandalf to this. If we close above four and a quarter and we go higher, we'll, we'll have a whole new discussion uh, new articles, everything on that. But until that happens, I just stick to that channel. And what's going on? The labor market is not breaking. It's slowing, right? Jobless claims aren't as low as it used to be. Job, job openings aren't as high as it used to be. Uh, job growth data is slowing, but it's not breaking. As long as it's not breaking, you know, that channel should stick because core inflation is not, you know, at 2%. Uh, bond markets around the world are not, you know, negative yields like it used to be. So that's that's how I operate. So these this week, I said this is going to be critical, right? If there was a crazy week, it's here because we're at these key levels, and you have to think like how a computer thinks or a bond trader thinks. And they're just at these at these levels. If things don't break, they quickly go to the other side. So as of this morning, I'll even take a last look. We're at four point zero nine, so that's that's a noticeable move, okay. Um, but if you look at it through channels and how bond traders work, you know it makes sense in that regard. And we just stay in there. Now the case for higher mortgage rates, right? Labor market gets tighter, it, it, the economy starts growing. You know we start pushing a uh, uh, wage growth up. You know those things would make sense. The the Japanese ten year yield, you know, expanding that. You know, all global bond yields shift money in, in some direction. These things, the you know, Japan's was a second surprise for twenty twenty three. That's the best case you can make for bond yields to go higher and stay there longer. But as of right now, we we kind of as crazy as twenty twenty three is. It looks about right. So the labor breaking is really key to everything for you because in your mind, that is what is going to 
that's what the Fed is looking at now. And they have, you've said it before, they want to see a job loss recession or they want to see jobs lost before they believe that we're at the right level of inflation. So you've said that 323,000 with the job market numbers today, what do you think the Fed thinks? You know, it's it's interesting because the Fed is starting to get into the, okay, we're kind of at the end of our rate hike stages, um, but you're going to have bad cop Feds, Waller and Logan, and good cop Feds, I would say Bostick uh, is in that group. So when we talk about um, what does the Fed think? Well, if the Fed is talking about 1970s inf- inflation, they're worried about if they cut rates again, you know, then we'll accelerate inflation higher. I've always argued that rent inflation can't do that anymore. Uh, So I don't think they're the happiest with this jobs report just because wage growth is is staying firm. But they they have to be happy with the fact that the growth, it's an interesting concept. The Fed would be happy with labor market slowing, but if labor market slows and they believe in their demographic theory, then wage growth would, would still be solid. So Wage growth should slow down next month due to a technical issue. That's what they want. They want people to make less money, right? So they spend less. It's crazy, but that's that's their mindset. But another positive thing that happened this week that's probably not getting enough attention, productivity numbers were good, right? So if productivity numbers get better, right, that's a disinflationary factor. That's a positive. Um, so what we want to see is productivity growth pick up. Uh, and then wage growth slow down and the Fed will start having better languages and might not even start talking the talking about more of a soft landing, but a soft landing to them is is a higher unemployment rate, but not above four and a half percent. You know, even Kashkari came out uh, last week and says, we believe the unemployment rate will get to four percent. So they're they're still in their job kind of loss or labor market slowing down uh, uh, area because they know that aggressive rate hikes in a very short amount of time. There are sectors that get hit. We know this in housing, right? Housing jobs have been lost. Wages and incomes have been lost in housing, right? There, there's no if, ands, or buts around it. The existing home sales market sales are so low that incomes are down and jobs are down. So, But they would like to see that in a bigger fashion so wage growth comes down and spending becomes less. What, when you talked about the internals of the jobs numbers and you talked about you know different sectors, what sector do are they looking at more than others that might you know have more weight? The manufacturing sector uh, uh, lost jobs. The, the information and transporting warehouse, those things have lost jobs. We, we, we know what's what's going on in there. But the leisure sector, services, right? Wage growth is really, this is the dirty secret, wage growth is rising on the bottom and they might not like that, right? Because if the bottom portion of the wage group is is getting more wages and spending more, that's inflationary to them. They might not say it publicly, but uh, uh, that that to them is they're, they're a little bit mindful of the wage growth coming from the bottom end. Um so when we look at what's going on with the economy, the labor market is still firm. Consumption is still firm. Uh, investment in manufacturing, of course, the government, there's a lot of uh, deficit spending going into that. So they just want things to slow down even more, right? So if wage if wage growth was running at 3% or 3.4%, we'd be having a, a different conversation because we're starting to get back to where we were pre-COVID. Uh, um, four, four point four percent. To me, they're probably there. There's no wage spiral out of control, but they just want to see that slow down. 
because they believe, even though they might not say it, wages spending creates inflation, uh, and they're they're targeting core service inflation x housing right so the rent inflation they've already understand and kicked that out that's what they're that's what they're focusing more now so again for me i would just i would have been done three rate hikes ago and just say hey we're just going to sit and endure and and see see where where it goes and let the lag process kick in but uh, it'll be really interesting what they say now because we're gonna the next is the CPI report coming up and remember energy prices are rising again so the head the headline data is uh, the the big collapse we saw in headline inflation from nine to three percent that hasn't really done anything to the bond market or mortgage rates but the core inflation will start to come down just because of the rent factor so how are they gonna you know do they they're not technically supposed to care about energy prices because that's not what they do that's the headline inflation but the offset of headline inflation versus core inflation these things are going to get really exciting over the next year if you're a geeky nerdy fed person like me and what what are the internal batters if the job growth starts to slow down more and more and more you know one of the most often asked questions of you and of me, uh, if I'm talking to people who who are like, what does Logan think about this? Or what do your experts say about this is like, will mortgage rates go lower or higher this fall? Or are they going to stay, you know, I mean, where those go, and I know you have a range, and we're within that range. Um, The question is, what what things could make mortgage rates go lower? So right now, we're testing a level. Okay, so we bounced off of the higher end level. If jobless claims start to get weaker, you know, if labor data starts to get weaker, if the bond market sniffs out a recession or a weakening economy, they have shown us, right? They'll go low. I mean, we were we had the we had the Gandalf line tested eight times. You know, that's a lot. I mean, usually we have like three tests and that's about it. So the bond market will allow bond yields and mortgage rates to go lower if they feel like the economy is is uh, uh, getting weaker. But it's you know I, I'm not a big fan of the Atlanta GDP, uh, especially early on because it's it, it's pretty wild early on into the quarter and then it, it gets better toward the end. But it had like 3.9 percent economic growth, right? Uh, jobless claims are still under 300. Job openings are under nine. The, these numbers are so historically good. That the bond market is that yeah we're not we're this this is not recessionary, but if the labor market softens up, there's your best case, and this is why I say that, you know, if you're if you're running on inflation data by itself, you would you would you wouldn't be you know above seven percent mortgage rates, right? But last year at this time, you know, bond yields or you know you know we, we some of the hottest inflation data we had, bond yields were lower. On the year we had eight to nine percent inflation data, and the ten-year yield was much lower, and mortgage rates were lower back then. So it's not one hundred percent on inflation right here. Well, we we maybe, maybe we could talk about more about that in twenty twenty-four and twenty twenty-five. But as of right now, labor data, labor data, labor data, uh, uh, and technical ranges. Okay, that's that's how I've operated uh, since I started to do this. So if you want to make a case for lower mortgage rates in the fall, that channel is bouncing off. Uh, uh, and the labor market gets softer. That's that. That to me is your best case. So you follow jobless claims uh, every single week. That's our weekly data line out there. And then we have the jobs reports once a month, and that'll give you jolts, ADP, be the BLS jobs number, and a jobless claims sprint. So, it, like we talked about last Friday, this was going to be a week, right? We're at the upper end range. So you 
you hold your ground or you break, you know? So this is why it's pretty wild. And we always talk about it gets wild at key technical levels. Like the Gandalf line was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then now we're here. So we have a really wild area right about now. And, and I think those of you who have followed the bond market uh, last week as this podcast, when this podcast comes out, could understand. It was a pretty, pretty intense week last week. Okay, let's talk about purchase apps this week. Yeah, one 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 thing that I I not need to clarify but and emphasize right now, um, purchase application data is like historically low, and you know a lot of people because mortgage rates had uh, gone up uh, recently, people said, okay, well here we are again, uh, here comes the crash like we did last year last year at this time when rates okay purchase application data is low. It's not really moving anywhere in a big fashion. Um, so I I have to explain this so people can understand. Last year was a historic event. We had a waterfall, a waterfall crash in housing that wasn't related to COVID-19. COVID-19, we had a waterfall crash, but that was behavior. This was a massive housing inflation hit and purchase application had a waterfall dive. It's not doing that anymore. So the low level, this is where this is where the inexperience comes from um, people on social media and YouTube. The low level of purchase application data is not collapsing. It's just stuck. It's not going anywhere. But the front-loaded data in this in this data line is the second week of January to the first week of May. After May, total volumes always fall. We're doing this again because for 11 years, people keep on looking at that and they don't understand that total volumes will usually always fall after May. Now, the last three years have been very abnormal in a sense. We've had three different episodes where we saw volumes increase, you know, toward the end of the year. That's not normal. Okay. The COVID-19 recovery in 2020, abnormal event. 2021 was extremely abnormal. We had a big volume to, uh, rise toward the end of the year. That does not happen ever. And then last year, as mortgage rates were falling, we had a pickup toward the end of the year. So we'll be mindful of that. But I think some people, uh, they're, they're doing the same thing I see every single year. It's, it's the same thing with, with, with inventory. They, they say, oh, in, inventory is spiking in the spring and summer. Really, McFly? Come on. It does that every year. Right, you know, seasonal prices getting weak. Really, McFly does that every year. Come on, housing is very seasonal, right? Front-loaded data, even the days on market get slower toward the second half of the year. So, all of us have to realize we do not live in a period where you dispatch horses to get information, right? And it's six months later, somebody gives you a parchment paper and uh, you know, a handwriting with a leaf or a feather, whatever. You have the internet, you have the ability to read. Housing is very seasonal. Don't confuse the seasonality of data, right? You just like if inventory is falling, it's the seasonal decline in inventory. It's not because demand is booming or anything like that. We have to understand all of us have the ability to read and all of us have the ability to visually see. This is why I bring the second grade education thing out, okay? Understand the seasonality of housing data so you don't get confused, okay? Because the fanatics of our country, right? They do this all the time. Disinformation campaigns. The reason I'm here, Sarah, is to eviscerate as many of these people as long as I'm alive, right? Whether they be extreme left-wing or right-wing people, we've seen this this post-2008 social media world of disinformation campaigns borderline on rushing trolling. This is why I am still here with Housing Wire today because I'm going to do this to the very last day I'm alive. Cycles come and go, but these people, 
the unforgiven, right? They will go to their <laughs> graves like this because they chose the wrong country to do this to. So all day, 24-7, we're ready to play ball. In any case, just remember, I, 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 I saw that so much this last week, people not understanding the seasonality of data, right? Uh, whether it be prices, days on market, purchase application data, stuff. So let's let's get some context back into this uh, uh, in, in all fronts, inventory, seasonal pricing, purchase apps, days on market. So we have a better understanding because it happens every year, every year. It does. This is why we have you on. We appreciate you so much for your insights and looking at the data and, and guiding us in the right way. So Logan, thank you so much for being on. Pleasure is all mine, Sarah. And the the end of the mortgage rate lockdown will come on, on October. Join us at Housing Wire Annual October 10th through 12th. And uh, Logan is one of our headliners, um, giving us the economic uh, update at the beginning of the conference. And then he and I are going to close out the conference with this really fun live podcast, which you can actually be a part of as part of the um, audience. We're going to close Everyone start praying for Sarah. Okay. So the- <laughs> I'll, be I'll be fine. I, I don't need your pity, Logan. I there's no pity. There's up, there's no pity. It's just, you know, the, <laughs> the end, the end is coming and enjoy the last few months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see how that works. Uh, anyway, thank you again. Bye. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.